Today we are in Mark 10, uh, 46 to 52, and um, we're skipping ahead a little bit from last week, uh, and we are uh, looking uh, at this passage and the gaps we fill in the coming weeks over the summer. Um, so Mark 10, 46 to 52, uh, it will appear on the screen behind me at a point, but just to give you some context, uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and this is his final destination where he is going to hang on a cross where he's going to die on a cross and then raised three days later. So he knows where he is going at this moment. But on the way to Jerusalem, there are a number of towns on the way that he is passing through. And one of them is Jericho. And um, you might remember Jericho from the Old Testament, uh, where they danced around, sang with the trumpets, uh, round the walls. The walls came tumbling down uh, as it goes. But this Jericho at the moment is almost like a commuter town into Jerusalem. It's quite a big bustling town, but basically where people are staying before they make their journey to Jerusalem. And the reason that they're going to Jerusalem is because it's the celebration or the upcoming celebration of Passover. Now, Passover was the celebration of the Jewish people being freed uh, from slavery of Egypt and God rescuing his people led by Moses in the Exodus. You may remember if you've been here a couple of years, we did a whole series on Exodus and Moses leading uh, the people out of slavery, out of Egypt. But that is what we're, we're looking at today, where um, Jesus is in Jericho, where there's this bustling town, ready to go to Jerusalem, where it's also Passover. So it's like a holiday weekend, bustling, it's hot, it's cramped, it's sweltering, there's lots of people. And this is where we meet blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus is who we're going to be focusing on today. And there are three questions that, for me, come out of this uh, passage of Blind Bartimaeus. So what I want to do is uh, to read this passage and then we'll delve into those questions. So we're going to read Mark 10, 46 to 52. I'm just going to read it here. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man... Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I just want to pray for us very quickly before we delve into this passage. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth and it can speak to us today, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I just pray, would you come and would you be with us now? Would you rest on us with your presence? pray for each of us here that you would speak to us individually for the words of life that we need to hear. I pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. So, the three questions that struck me when reading this passage were these. Were, what have you lost? What holds you back? And what do you want? And um, I want to go through these and explore these today. So my first question is, what have you lost? I don't know if you think of yourself as maybe a forgetful person, or maybe you think you're pretty good at uh, keeping stuff. Who would say they're maybe a forgetful person, that they lose stuff regularly? Okay, a few honest people. Uh, who would say they're like good, they know where everything in their house is, they're like, oh, very well done. So apparently there is an epidemic crisis as a nation for the UK of losing things. So there was a study done two years ago, and uh, it was discovered the average person loses more than 3,000 possessions in their lifetime. 3,000, they lose. I mean, I don't know if you have 3,000 possessions, but you're going to lose them. And um, that includes 384 pens, 192 items of clothing, and 64 umbrellas. I mean, I don't think I've ever owned an umbrella. So if, if 64 is the average, think about the person who's like bringing that up. They might own thousands of umbrellas that they've had over their lifetimes. And on average, to replace these stolen, stolen items, replace these lost items even, uh, we spend about four and a half thousand pounds in our lifetime replacing things that are lost. Absolutely crazy. Four and a half thousand pounds. And I remember recently when I had a moment where I lost something that was pretty dear to me. Uh, and last year, it was last year, it was at the start of the school term, so about August, September, I was helping out Encounter, which is our, uh, our group for youth and young people in school for our teenagers. And uh, we had the first encounter of the year. And uh, we have encounter groups all across the area for all of our sites. But for the first one of the year, we brought everyone together into our main building in Gilcomston Park. And we had a foam party. A party filled with foam. And it was fantastic. There was just this massive bouncy castle in the centre of our building. And then just, just being filled with foam. Foam as far as you could see. So much foam. I like saying foam. So, this foam, this foam party's happening. There's this castle in the middle. And I'm, I'm now 30. I recently had that 30th birthday. But at the time, I was 29 and I felt really young. So I thought, I'm going to be cool here. I'm going to, I don't always feel like I'm cool, but this was a moment I was like, I can try and be really cool. There's this castle here. And I almost saw it like it was a hurdle. I was like, right, I'm going to like jump over this. Swing my legs over and land in the castle. It's going to look really cool. Um, I might have been the only one that thought that, but I was going for it. So I was like, what could possibly go wrong? So I see this, I run, I put my hands down, and obviously it's an inflatable castle, which I didn't think about at the time, but when I put my hands down, then it just basically went like that, like there was nothing. So I kind of just got my legs over, I was okay, and I managed to land for a split second before I fell on my backside. I went, so I went, whoa, over, whoa. So I'm lying on the ground. My bum is pretty sore. My pride has been dented. And I'm like, I hope no one saw that. Uh, which, inevitably, someone saw that. I imagine someone has it on a phone. Uh, that they might be able to find later. But the problem was, not only was uh, I physically sore and uh, emotionally sore, but I had lost something. I had lost my wedding ring. Tell me about it. Tell me, just coming up to our second anniversary, or third, the second anniversary at the time, yeah. I've lost my wedding ring. 
So there's all this foam, as I've said, and I am scratching around looking for this ring. And it's like foams in my eyes, foams everywhere. I'm getting trodden on by teenagers dancing. I'm like, I need to find this ring. And then another leader starts helping me. And we're both on the floor looking for this ring. And suddenly, this encounter leader from Ellen called Lewis, who is an absolute legend, gets down on one knee and says, Ali, I found your ring. Which was a little bit odd. But I was like, yes. And I almost tackled him to the ground until I realized if I tackled him, I would lose the ring again. So I, I was so excited, I put the ring uh, back on my finger and I did not go in that foam uh, castle again for the rest of the night. I hid, because I was like, I'm not losing my wedding ring again. But the point is this, what have you lost? We've all lost something. In this passage, we meet this man, Bartimaeus. It says in verse 46 that he's a blind man sitting by the roadside and he's begging. And um, the commentators and the scholars uh, that you read about this passage say that they believe that he could see before. So when uh, the gospel writers, when they uh, find people or the stories where people have been blind from birth, and they make a note of that and they make that clear. So we see that in John 9 where Jesus heals a man and they say in John 9.1, he was blind from birth. But in this passage they don't. So scholars would believe that actually Bartimaeus, at one point in his life, could see, but now he couldn't. And where he was and when it was, sight was much more important than maybe we would, we would think about today. Because sight meant in a physical, labor, full world, if he wasn't able to see, then he would lose his job, he would lose his income, he would potentially lose family and friends, he would lose his status, in society, he would be considered the lowest class, and him begging was his only possible income. Bartimaeus losing his sight meant he lost everything. And here he is, on this dusty roadside, with many other beggars there, as it was so busy, there were so many people begging there. Bartimaeus was there, begging for scraps of change, because he's lost his eyesight. What have you lost? We can all lose material items, but that's not what I'm talking about today. We can often lose more than that. We can lose touch with friends. We can lose loved ones. As we get older, we lose, start to lose many things. Maybe our hair, our figure, our height, our memory, our patience. But we can also lose things concerning God, can't we? Sometimes we can lose our relationship with God. Or we can lose the vision that he has for our lives. We can lose heart and passion. But maybe also we can uh, lose our gifting, our calling, that maybe we've just forgotten. We've just left it on the roadside. We've just forgotten about that. I really feel strongly today that this is a moment for people here where you've maybe... uh, had a vision or a dream or a calling or a gifting for your life that you've just lost. You've just forgotten. I feel like today God is wanting to remind some people of those God-given dreams, of those callings, of those giftings. He's not forgotten about them. He wants you to step into them today. And church should be a place where those gifts, those dreams, those callings, those giftings come alive. Not where they die. 
So today I want to ask you, what have you lost? Maybe you yourself feel lost. Maybe you're coming in today and you're thinking, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. And I I was reminded this morning of uh, the parable of the lost sheep, where um, the shepherd goes out of the 99 who were in the flock, and he goes after that one. And I was thinking about that one sheep. And when we think about sheep, they don't deliberately go off. They're not the smartest animals, are they? They just, they're eating, and they're eating. Maybe they're finding a little bit more grass, and a bit more grass, and a bit more grass. And before they know it, they're away from the rest of the flock. I feel like for maybe one person here today, you just got lost. You just got lost, and you're like, where is everyone? Where, how, did I, how did I get here? And the amazing thing that we have is we have a God who restores. We have a God who restores. Blind Bartimaeus comes to Jesus. He comes and he shares what he's lost. And Jesus restores his sight. Jesus came to restore. He came to restore freedom to slaves and the oppressed. He came to restore sight to the blind, healing to the sick, redemption and wholeness to the world and relationship to each one of us. Jesus restores things that are lost. The woman that was bleeding for 12 years, he restores her. uh, He restores Lazarus from the dead. He restores Peter after Peter has denied him three times. Three times he restores him back into God's family. Jesus restores those things that are lost. So one of those questions today for us to think about is what have you lost that Jesus can restore? I just want to pray for us really quickly as we think about that. I feel the Holy Spirit wants to do something for one of us today, one or two of us today. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you restore that which is lost. And Holy Spirit, I just pray, would you just remind us this morning of maybe things that we've lost. Would you remind us of callings, of giftings? Would you remind us of you? And would you help us to restore that which is lost? Amen. So my first question is, what have you lost? My second question is, what is holding you back? So we've met blind Bartimaeus, and we know that he's begging. And as Jesus is approaching the roadside, uh, Bartimaeus is blind. He's heard about Jesus. He's heard the stories of what he can do. And he knows that this is his chance. So you imagine there's beggars on each side of this hall, almost like as we go down the roadside. There's beggars there. There's beggars there. There's maybe hundreds of them. But Bartimaeus is the one that shouts out. And he says in verse 47, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He shouts that out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then uh, the passers-by, maybe some of the other beggars or the disciples are like, be quiet. He doesn't have time for that. But he shouts all the more. He shouts again. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you could maybe say that Bartimaeus didn't understand social cues or etiquette, but all he knew was that he had to meet Jesus. He knew what Jesus could do. He was like, yes, this is my chance. He was desperate to reach him. He was desperate to reach him. 
And the disciples might have been thinking that Jesus doesn't have time for this guy, or um, why would he bother? But that's not the point, is it? The point is that Bartimaeus is so desperate. He's so desperate. He's like, I'm not going to let anything hold me back, get in my way from meeting Jesus. And sometimes we as the church can often get in the way of what God is doing. And we desperately don't want to do that. But sometimes we ourselves can also hold us back. We can hold ourselves back. We can think, why would Jesus bother? Or I don't think that's important. But um, when Jesus comes into our proximity, when he comes into our vicinity, there should be nothing holding us back. There should be nothing holding us back. Um, I... For those of you who know me, I'm a massive sport fan, so I have been loving watching the World Cup, which has been awesome. And what has been so good about it is that uh, we, my little family of three, we've been watching it as a family. So Jill watches football every four years for the World Cup because she quite enjoys it. And I've been able to teach our four-month-old Levi about the World Cup and about all the teams. He's really getting into it. Um, so much so that we've had a family sweepstake, and uh, Levi has been in it, and he has two teams left that are in the semi-finals. So he has France and he has England. So if they both win their semi-finals, he will clean up, which will be amazing for a four-month old. Very talented. Very talented. Uh, another thing I love about the World Cup is uh, seeing the kind of leadership skills of the different managers. Uh, so some good examples of the leadership skills would be actually Gareth Southgate has done a really good job leading that team, controlling the media, getting people on side. Also, uh, ex-Everton uh, manager Roberto Martinez has done very well with the Belgian side controlling the egos and then there's other ones that haven't done so well so the Argentinian manager not done a good job wasn't able to control his players apparently uh, the players were picking the teams at the end rather than him so not done particularly good and also um, yeah so I love I love seeing that kind of leadership style I also love seeing the fans and I have some photos of the fans here we have the next slide look at that can anyone tell me which uh, team th these chaps are supporting? Colombia is correct. What about, what about these guys? Mexico. Next slide. Any, anyone have any idea who they're supporting? I think it's Peru. Look at that. I mean, I, I, have you heard about the Japanese fans, by the way? Uh, at the end of every match, uh, where they've been supporting, they go and they clear up and they take up all the rubbish from their seats and they put it in the bins and they... They were there for a good an hour after each game, cleaning up. Amazing, isn't it? Um, but what I love about those fans is that there's no mistaking who they're supporting, is there? They are out there, loud and proud. They've got their colours to the mast. Uh, they have such passion that it overflows out of them. And, um, and many of the people who've been there who've maybe just been passing, um, just kind of there for the, for the football itself, have been like, how can you not want to support one of these teams when those fans look like that? It's just amazing. And the point is that often, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we can be the exact opposite of those World Cup fans. Our colours are often hidden away, not to be seen, or we hide them. Or even when we're approaching God, we ask for things in prayer. We talk ourselves down. We say God's no for him. We can be so polite as being British. But when Jesus taught us how to pray, he taught us to pray big prayers. In the Lord's Prayer, we hear we should pray, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you think about that, when you break that down, that's a massive prayer. He tells us He tells us to pray that. He tells us to pray for provision for our daily bread. He tells us to pray for forgiveness, which in this day and age can be so difficult for anyone to forgive anyone. He prays that that's what we should do on a daily basis. And Bartimaeus here is an example for us of when we approach Jesus. He's not being held back and we should be the same. So I want to ask you that question. Is there anything holding you back from your relationship with God? Maybe opinions of others. Maybe uh, opinion of yourself or your own um, insecurities. Maybe it's your status or your past life. In verse 50, it says that when Bartimaeus is called towards Jesus, he throws his cloak aside, he jumps to his feet, and he comes to Jesus. That cloak would have been used to primarily catch the coins for begging. So when he goes and he sees Jesus, he throws away that begging cloak, and he says, I want to follow you, Jesus. What is holding us back? What have we lost? What is holding us back? And finally, what do you want? The final question uh, might be the most obvious in this passage. Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, and Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? We find that in verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? And this is a theme that Mark has been weaving through the narrative of this chapter, chapter 10, of asking those questions of those that come to him. So, for example, in Mark 10, 16, uh, Jesus is asked for the little children to come to him. Uh, and Nikki actually shared about it this morning. And it was the parents that wanted those children to be blessed. That was what they wanted from Jesus. Uh, we see uh, the rich young ruler uh, just after that where he is asked, he wants eternal life. That's what he wants from Jesus. That's what he's, Jesus asked him, what do you want? That's what he wants. Um, in uh, 10.37, we see uh, James and John, two of his disciples, they're asked this exact same question by Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? And in this passage, they say, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. That's what the disciples wanted. And we can question those motives and question what, what those things are. But we see what Bartimaeus wants when he's asked of that. And it's so simple, but so powerful. He says in 10.52, Rabbi, teacher, I want to see. I want to see. And often I think, as Brits, we can skirt around those direct questions, can't we? Even the simple ones. Um, example for me from my life. I, I can be a little bit awkward sometimes. And I can, um, when I'm introducing myself to someone, I ask their name. And uh, I'm so busy trying to work on making sure I get my name right, which sounds odd, but that's what I think about. Or making sure that I'm clear that I'm like, they said their name and I've completely forgotten. Uh, so I, I think, oh gosh, I can't remember who I'm speaking to. I remember their name. I feel really awkward about it. So then I then ask lots of deep, difficult questions around somebody. Like all these different things, trying to squeeze out their name. And usually they never they never say their name. So Jill's like, oh, who's that you're speaking to? It's like, well, uh, I can tell you that their favorite color is yellow. I can tell you that they really like ultimate frisbee. I can tell you uh, there are three kids and all their names. Like Jill's like, what's their name? Yeah, I don't know. 
And she's like, well, why don't you ask them? I was like, yeah, I'm just awkward about that. As opposed to Jill would just be like, I'm really sorry, I forgot your name. What is your name? Um, you might be wondering what the point is, but the point is that Jesus loves to just to ask those direct questions. What do you want me to do for you? He doesn't skirt around the issue, but he asks that direct question, and Bartimaeus answers it directly. I want to see. And every Sunday morning, we offer an opportunity for ministry and response to receive prayer at the end of every week. And I think sometimes we can look at that time and think, this is awkward. This is a moment where I might have to um, like, give something away about me or I might have to um, do a certain thing or I might just I might have to come to the front. I don't know who's watching. I don't like it. But actually, we should look at these times as Jesus standing here at the front waiting for us saying, what do you want me to do for you today? I think that will transform our prayer life, transform who we are as a site, who we are as a community. If we think about that and we think, oh, actually, this is an opportunity. Jesus is here. What do you want me to do for you today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That changes how I think about those things. You might be thinking, just finishing as we close, that you might be thinking, I just want help for what I've lost. Or help with the barriers that are holding me back. Or maybe I just I just want to see Jesus. I've never seen Jesus in my life before. I want to see Jesus. I want to see him for who he is. That time where we leave that space at the end is for that. For us to answer that question by Jesus. What do you want to me to do for you today? And just as we close, I want to finish on this little point that I found um, names in the Bible are often significant uh, and in this story uh, we have Bartimaeus that's who we follow now does anyone know what Bartimaeus means it was in the passage just in case anyone saw it son of Timaeus yes that's not very helpful is it when you think about it Bartimaeus well that means son of Timaeus but what does Timaeus mean I was looking up this week and Timaeus means to honour think about that for a second Bartimaeus, he's been brought up, he's been born into a culture where he is to honour. That's why his parents, his parents before them, have asked of him. It's almost like, you are to honour someone. You are to honour someone. What does Bartimaeus do in in this passage? He calls out to Jesus, the son of David, the king of kings. And once he is healed, in verse 52... It says, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus, born to honour, honours Jesus all the way down the road. And actually, uh, if we dig and discover who Bartimaeus was, it didn't stop there. What we know about Bartimaeus is that he did that for the rest of his life. That he honoured Jesus, he glorified Jesus, he followed Jesus for the rest of his life. Friends, we are born to honour. We are born to honour the King of Kings. We are born to honour Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. That's my heart. That's what I want for myself, for my family, and for everyone here. To honour, to follow, and to glorify Jesus.
to do that, we need to answer those direct questions. What have you lost? What are the things that maybe you've lost that Jesus can restore? What is holding you back? What are the things that maybe today we need to throw aside that cloak and leave it on the roadside and fall? What do you want? What do you want that you can come to Jesus and ask for today? This morning is an opportunity to receive. A morning opportunity to receive for physical healing. Uh, In our small groups, we've been going through everyday supernatural and talking about these things, the gifts of the Spirit. It's an opportunity to receive healing or to receive gifts of the Spirit for emotional healing, for spiritual healing, maybe for some of us to be filled with the Spirit, maybe for some of us to encounter Jesus for the first time. But those are the questions we need to ask. So why don't we stand and I'll pray for you.